Welcome to Barely Audible Whisper, a weekly NPR parody podcast in no way associated with NPR, brought to you in no part by the following parody sponsors. Representative Jim Jordan's suit jacket. Jim Jordan's suit jacket is almost as notably absent from his impeachment hearing appearances as logic is absent from his legal arguments. The Trump University, who the hell is that guy, Republican impeachment lawyer, law school. Who the hell is the Republican impeachment lawyer, and why is he so bad at lawyering? And the bedrock principle that no one is above the law, officially missing from the Republican Party since November 8th, 2016. I am Dave. And I am Molly. And our voices sound like hypnosis patients, because we accidentally hypnotize ourselves trying to follow the shiny object that was Devin Nunez's opening statement. Our top story this week. Public impeachment hearings into President Trump's Ukrainian extortion scheme have begun, and it appears that the cornerstone of the Republicans' defense strategy hinges on the fact that the aid money that was allegedly being held up, contingent on Ukraine announcing an investigation into the Bidens, was released on September 11th, two days after impeachment proceedings based on the whistleblower complaint had begun. In other words, Republicans are arguing that because President Trump got caught attempting to commit a crime before the crime was committed, he cannot be guilty of the crime he attempted to commit. For a deeper exploration of that logic, Barely Audible Whisper constructed the following scenario. As always, our Trump impersonator is a woman because we hear he hates that. Because you're the president and I'm your most sycophantic congressional lapdog, we were able to access the room where they keep all of the gold at Fort Knox. I know that, Representative Jim Jordan. I'm not a baby. Now, anchor my robe while I hang over the gold like Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible. I can't hold it much longer, Mr. President. You're very fat. And my grip, like my excuses for not reporting sexual abuse while I was an assistant wrestling coach at Ohio State, grows weaker by the second. Oh, no! Allie. What was that? Who's there? Somebody's coming. Hide. I know you're here somewhere. I hear you humming the Trump-themed version of the song from Mission Impossible. It sounds like if President Trump was a woman. I hate that. Ha! I caught you red-handed. Fake news. The real stealing the gold from Fort Knox is the Democrats. But I caught you stealing the gold red-handed. If you caught us stealing the gold, then how come all of the gold is still here? Because I caught you before you stole it. So you admit the gold was never stolen? No gold was stolen because... Then what's the crime? Attempted. This is an attempted coup! What? No, I heard the crash from the president's disastrous attempt of repelling down the wall. It was a perfect repelling. How did you know it was President Trump just by hearing the crash? I didn't know what it was when I heard it. I only found out it was the president... So it was a second-hand hearing. A what? You heard President Trump crash second-hand, but you didn't see it was the president stealing the gold until you saw first-hand that no gold had been stolen. Why doesn't the fake news media report that Joe Biden stole all of the gold from Fort Knox to give to Hunter Biden as a holiday present? Because Democrats hate Christmas? Joe Biden didn't steal any gold. That's a Democrat talking point. But Joe Biden didn't steal any gold. 
So you're just going to ignore the multiple accusations that Joe Biden stole gold. Multiple accusations. I made an accusation and Jim Jordan made an accusation. That's multiples. Nobody multiplies better multiples than Trump. And you're going to spread the baseless conspiracy theory that President Trump stole gold, even though it's an indisputable fact that no gold has been stolen. I caught you red-handed. I'm going to arrest you for attempted robbery now, Mr. President. Fake news! You can't arrest me because a weird Justice Department memo from the 70s says so. That's actually true. The only remedy to stop a criminal president is impeachment. And there's no chance of that working because Fox News viewers have been conditioned to accept nonsensical arguments as long as they're shouted aggressively fast. But the facts stack up overwhelmingly. Facts! The fact is that there was no crime because there was no stolen gold. All of the gold is still there. The American people elected President Trump, whether you deep state Fort Knox guards like it or not, and now you want to overturn the will of the people based on the secondhand hearing of a crash that led to the firsthand discovery that all of the gold is still there. Shifty shift. Witch hunt. Treason. That's a completely absurd misrepresentation of the truth. First of all, I don't even know where to start. Of course not. That was too much rapid-fire nonsense to sensibly contradict with sense. I'm not vincible. Try Trump! In what headlines are almost universally describing as a, quote, crisis in cosmology, cosmologists have discovered troubling discrepancies in two of the different methods commonly used to measure the Hubble constant. The current crisis in cosmology threatens to disrupt many of the foundational theories on which modern physics is based. How do you think this is likely to play out? Oh, uh, well, I think the, uh, the, the Hubble constant is, uh, important because... You have no idea what any of this means, do you? No. But since it's a crisis, I figured we should send our crisis correspondent to figure it out. I'm crisis correspondent Michael Amity, and I've covered every kind of crisis there is, from war, to famine, to Sean Spicer on Dancing with the Stars. This crisis is worse than any you've ever seen. Why are you hiding under a lab table? I'm taking cover. When a cosmologist at an astrophysics lab says there's a crisis worse than any crisis I've ever seen in my career covering crises, I can only assume that a meteor is about to crash into the Earth. Worse. My God! What's worse than the imminent destruction of our entire planet? Our understanding of the rate at which the universe is expanding appears to be flawed. And? That's it. That's the entire crisis. That's it? How is that a bigger crisis than the imminent destruction of planet Earth? Do you have any idea how cosmically insignificant the destruction of one planet is relative to the vastness of our expanding universe? No. Apparently, neither do we. Okay. So some new data indicates that your models for the universe might be inaccurate. That hardly qualifies as a crisis. But this means we don't fully understand the complexities of the universe. Yeah, nobody does. We thought that the universe was flat, but now there's evidence to suggest it might be round. Well, that is a crisis. You don't want to be one of those flat universe or conspiracy theorists. <laughs> the analogy on which that joke is premised is provably inaccurate, and therefore quantifiably not funny. Are you sure? Because you used to be sure that the universe was flat. 
Observations from the Planck telescope and the calculations of the cosmic distance ladder just yielded vastly different estimates for the Hubble constant. So, no, I'm not sure of anything anymore. I don't know what any of that means. Observing cosmic microwave background data predicted one Hubble constant, but calculating distances of objects to ascertain the rate at which they are accelerating away from one another yielded an entirely different Hubble constant. I don't know what any of that means either, but based on my understanding of the definition of the word constant, the problem seems to be that a constant can't be a constant if it isn't consistently constant? Exactly. An inconsistent constant is not a constant, but rather an inconstant. Consequently, the inconsistencies in the constant are causing crisis levels of constant consternation. You're being too hard on yourself. What are you basing that on? You're trying to discover a complete and rational understanding of the universe. That's literally the hardest thing there is to do. Subjectively, perhaps? Along the road to discovering the objective nature of all reality, you have to expect to constantly contend with inconsistencies in your constants. Cosmology's entire understanding of the universe is crumbling, and you're trying to comfort me with the junk science of self-help psychobabble wordplay? I get the fact that the failure of your models for how the universe works is disappointing, but ultimately all that means is that you don't fully understand what nobody fully understands. Most people don't even understand why you no longer understand what you had previously understood. So you're saying physicists shouldn't feel bad for being wrong about physics because most people are too stupid to understand enough physics to understand why physicists were wrong about physics? Exactly! Figuring out the nature of the cosmos is really complicated. Most of us are impressed you're even trying, and if you hadn't publicly admitted there was a problem, none of us would have even ever known. But that would be unethical. We wouldn't think of it. And that's why the institution of science is better than the institutions of finance, religion, and government. So cut yourself some slack, physicists. You're trying to figure out the exact nature of all of existence. Meanwhile, the rest of us can't convince 33% of the population that Donald Trump is a criminal. series of leaked emails from senior White House advisor and Muppet who wishes there weren't so many Muppet colors, Stephen Miller, revealed that he is the racist we already knew he is. The racist immigration policies he directed should have been enough, but now that we have his words to add to his actions, all the top Democrats are calling for his resignation. Katie McHugh, a former Breitbart editor, is the person who made Miller's emails public. While she herself has a history of some truly awful racist statements, she appears to be on the path to redemption. Plus, after burning all her alt-right bridges, she really needs the work. So we asked her to file this report. Hello, I'm Katie McHugh, and I'm good now, I promise. I was introduced to Stephen Miller when I was fairly new at Breitbart. At the time, he worked for Jeff Sessions. Meeting Miller was intimidating. First, he radiates evil. Second, he's a Jew, which at the time I was not okay with, but I'm good now. Third, I was told that he would, quote, influence my reporting, which is a phrase that makes any journalist shudder, even at a bullshit place like Breitbart. I sent Hate Watch the email Stephen Miller sent me in an attempt to atone for my sins. But there's more. I just found an old cell phone and was able to retrieve some old voicemails Stephen sent me as well. Here they are. Hey, Katie. I just wanted to make sure you got my email. 
The subject line is, defies modern comprehension. I haven't seen an article yet responding to how Amazon is pulling conservative flags from their site just because Dylan Roof may or may not have been a white nationalist who may or may not have killed all those people who may or may not have been black. It'd be really good to do one about how many communist flags there are on Amazon. I think that's a really good idea you had that I told you to have. Here's another. Hey, Katie Cat. So I've been rereading The Camp of the Saints. Have you read it? I really like the part where it portrays dark-skinned immigrants as literal shit-eaters. You should do a book review or something. I'll email you too in case you get that sooner. This one was right before Hurricane Patricia made landfall in Mexico in 2015. Hey, Katie Kickass. Are you seeing about this hurricane? It could be devastating. Imagine all the flooding of dirty immigrants across the border claiming they need protection just because a storm ruined their home. And another. Hey, Katie. Look, uh, I'm on your Twitter feed, and this stuff is concerning. Another crusade would do a lot of good? Let's turn Mecca into a strip mall? Why would you tweet that? Oh, oopsie. That was my old boss. I didn't mean to play that one. Uh, this one's for Miller for sure, though. Hey, Katie Kitten Caboodle. Just wondering, are you still dating that guy, Kevin Deanna? I really like what he's doing. Telling kids about the dangers of immigration while they're young and impressionable? You know how to pick them. Oh, uh, definitely no, no, I am not still dating that guy. Don't worry. Hey, Katie Klux Klan. I saw your tweet. Hilarious. Funny how Europeans assimilated, unlike third worlders demanding welfare while raping, comma, killing Americans. <laughs> Funny indeed. Hey, have you thought about doing an article about how eugenics should make a comeback? Oh, oopsies. Mental note, I should edit this so only the last part plays. Okay, here's the last one. Katie, you have to stop with these retweets from Adolf Joe Biden. He's an open member of the Nazi party. We can only retweet closeted members of the Nazi party. Okay, yes, I was horrible. People can change, I'm good now. How many racists do I have to expose for you to realize I'm good now? All of them. Then, maybe. Last month, Pope Francis appointed New York Bishop Nicholas DiMarzio to investigate sexual abuse allegations against Catholic priests in Buffalo. This month, Bishop DiMarzio, the priest appointed to investigate the sexual abuse allegations against other priests, is being accused of sexual abuse. Barely Audible Whisper filed the following report. I will now read aloud my report in its entirety, detailing my month-long investigation into the sexual abuse allegations against Catholic priests. <coughs> Nothing to see here. And I swear I'm being completely unbiased. The end. Bishop DiMarzio. A 56-year-old New Jersey man has accused you of repeatedly molesting him in the 1970s while he was an altar boy at your parish in New Jersey. I'm innocent. 
It says so in a new report. But you wrote the report. The report was written by a highly respected bishop, selected by the Pope himself. But that highly respected bishop is you. The Lord works in mysterious ways. Perhaps, but the church works in predictable ways. Hiring a New York bishop to do an impartial investigation into church abuses in Buffalo was rife with the appearance of conflicts of interest, even before you were credibly accused of sexual abuse. The appearance of bias is addressed by the report in the section where I swear I'm being unbiased. But doesn't the fact that you currently stand credibly accused of sexually abusing a minor destroy your credibility as an investigator into the sexual abuse of minors? That's an interesting question. Best answered by a brand new, painstakingly researched report that I happen to have with me because I happen to have written it. Bishop DeMarzio. Yes, Bishop DeMarzio wrote the report. And you can believe me when I tell you that Bishop DeMarzio's credibility is impeccable because my credibility is impeccable because I'm Bishop DeMarzio. Bishop DiMarzio, your argument is as ridiculous as your name. There's nothing ridiculous about the name DiMarzio! A point which was proven in a brilliant three-sentence thesis written by a young seminarian named Nicholas DiMarzio. According to your accuser, you molested him repeatedly while he was an altar boy and a student at St. Nicholas Catholic Church and School in New Jersey. Ah, I remember St. Nicholas in the 70s. Those were some wild times. I mean, completely appropriate, not at all illegal, nothing to see here at times. So you deny any wrongdoing? I wrote a report, but not just any report. This report was sanctioned by the Pope, which means it carries the full moral weight and authority of the Catholic Church. You mean the full moral weight of an institution that has spent at least three decades at the highest levels covering up sexual abuse and transferring child molesters into positions where they would continue to have the unfettered ability to continue to molest children? Yes, but for some reason people still take our moral authority seriously. Bishop DiMarzio, why would your accuser lie? I wrote a report about the complicated social theological and psychological issues that create the impetus within the individual to deviate into immoral behaviors, entitled, The Devil Made Me Do It. The Devil Made Me Do It? Yes, it's an intense and intellectually dense one-sentence volume, so feel free to interrupt if you have any questions. <coughs> <coughs> The devil made me do it. The end. I reached out to the devil for comment. <laughs> Don't bring me into this. I get it. I'm the devil. I do awful and morally treacherous things. But even I deserve better than to be lumped in with the heinous behavior and perverse hypocrisy of the Catholic Church. There you have it. Even the devil is disgusted by the Catholic Church's disgusting moral failings. Who are you going to believe? The Catholic Church or the devil? At this point, the devil has way more credibility. That's fair. Two more Democrats have decided to enter the presidential primary this week. 
because apparently way too many is not nearly enough. The two new Democratic presidential hopefuls are billionaire media mogul and former New York City mayor Michael Bloomberg and some guy named Deval Patrick. Thank God! Duval Patrick is exactly the thing that this primary field has been missing, said some guy we suspect is actually Deval Patrick, although we can't be sure because, like most people, we've never heard of Deval Patrick, so we have no idea what he sounds like. For more on the Democratic primary, Bitterly Audible Whisper turns to our primary correspondent. Ow! I got a paper cut. Ooh, I got a paper cut too. Somebody's throwing crisp $100 bills at us like Marie Antoinette tossing cake crumbs at peasants. I am Michael Bloomberg, and I am unsatisfied with your segment, just as I am unsatisfied with all 17,000 Democratic candidates. I own your podcast now. All three of your listeners must now listen to me. I'm Elizabeth Warren, and I'm in the fight, fighting the fight. Billionaire presidential candidates think they can just buy off struggling podcasts with low listenership. That's great for the billionaires. But what about the three people who actually think NPR parody podcasts are funny? I've got a plan for that. Elizabeth Warren's extreme anti-billionaire policies are why I'm jumping into the race. Because they're bad for the economy. Not because they're bad for me personally as a billionaire. That would be logical. I mean ridiculous. Being in the fight means knowing who you're fighting for and who you're fighting against and why you're fighting for who you're fighting for against who you're fighting against. If Elizabeth Warren's radical agenda were to pass, I would be slightly less obscenely wealthy, which would make me so sad I would have to hire a poor person to cry for me. I mean, it would hurt the middle class... Because... Would you believe jobs? My two cent wealth tax on every dollar after 50 million dollars. Two cents on every dollar and only my first 50 million dollars are protected? That's almost a direct quote from the Communist Manifesto. We'll pay for all of my popular plans that help working people. Assuming the billionaires don't hire expensive accountants to figure out an overly complicated way around it. Do you have any idea what a pain in the ass it is to hire that many expensive accountants to figure out an overly complicated way around a wealth tax? I mean... Would you believe independent voters don't like it? We can't beat Trump if we lose independent voters. You know, I'm in this fight to fight for independent voters. And while I've been fighting the fight all across this country, I've met independent voters who I didn't fight because I'm fighting for them in the fight. And I don't fight against the people I'm fighting for in the fight because the fight against the people you're fighting for is counterproductive fight strategy. Clearly, this woman is a lunatic. Also, Joe Biden is a weak candidate. Therefore, I must run as the only moderate in the race. Excuse me, Mayor Bloomberg. I'm Mayor Pete. Being a mayor who lacks experience and criticizes Elizabeth Warren as being too far to the left in the hopes of becoming the moderate's choice when Joe Biden inevitably crashes and burns is my thing. I'm Senator Amy Klobuchar, and I'm so moderate that being moderate is the only thing I ever talk about. I'm Julian Castro. I'm as authentically moderate as I am authentically Latino. When I was growing up, 
the poor child of immigrants, my abuela, taught my brother and I that the only way to beat Trump in 2020 is to elect a moderate Latino Democrat who makes his moderate positions seem more progressive by framing every issue as a story about something his abuela said when he was growing up the poor son of immigrants. And I'm Duval Patrick, and I've never heard of me either. All of my positions are compromised, watered-down versions of what almost feel like liberal ideals. I'm what Hillary Clinton would have been like if she could tell a joke and wasn't married to a sexual predator. I'm a gay, Christian, millennial, combat veteran. That's a quadruple threat of identity politics. According to a lazily thought-through Politico article, the fact that Duval Patrick is black could be a problem for fellow black candidates Kamala Harris and Cory Booker, and the fact that I'm the popular former governor of Massachusetts could be a problem for Elizabeth Warren. Beyond that, it's not even worth doing the research. Black people don't like Mayor Pete, but I'm working on that. Growing up as the poor son of immigrants, my abuela used to say, There are already too many moderates in the race. I get it. You've all made your points, your boring, moderate points. But as boring and moderate as your boring and moderate points are, none of you will ever be as boring and moderate as I am. I'm still in the fight. But at this point in the fight, I don't know who to fight. Because the moderates are still fighting their own fight to figure out who's going to fight me in the fight. Did I mention I'm from the Midwest? That's important to moderates who read the same type of lazily thought through political articles that say Duval Patrick being a black guy from Massachusetts is somehow relevant. But I'm a billionaire. I'm unhappy with my choices, so I'm buying myself a better choice, which is myself. A famous New York billionaire buying himself the presidency to satisfy his own ego despite a lack of relevant political experience is obviously the best way to counter Donald Trump. Listen up, Democrats. It's President Obama. To be clear, uh, unless you remember FDR, because you're as old as Jimmy Carter, and like Jimmy Carter, you refuse to die, uh, then I'm inarguably the best president in your lifetime. Now, let me be clear. Uh, before I was a two-term president, uh, I was the only primary candidate in this century to beat the more moderate opponent. And uh, I'm also the only Democrat this century to win the presidency. So, let me be clear. Uh, you can either learn from my example, or you can listen to lazily thought through Politico articles about the blackness and uh, Massachusettsness of some guy named Duval Patrick. According to multiple news outlets, Rudy Giuliani is considering hosting his very own impeachment podcast. We here at Barely Audible Whisper couldn't wait to hear Rudy Giuliani's impeachment podcast, so we went ahead and created it for him. And so, Barely Audible Whisper presents our Rudy Giuliani podcast entitled, Entirely Too Audible Screaming. Welcome to Entirely Too Audible Screaming with Rudy Giuliani! Entirely Too Audible Screaming is brought to you by the following sponsors. Lev Parnas Fraudulent Stock Company. Prior to working for me, Lev and Igor actually pay me, but for some reasons the media describes him as working for me. Lev Parnas managed three boiler room stock fraud scams, all of which were shut down by the SEC. You won't buy stock. The truly innovative thing about Lev's stock is that 
Lev didn't just con people into buying overvalued stock in non-existent companies using fraud alone. He also employed strong-arm shakedown tactics. You no want to buy stock? Then I break your legs. So, how much stock you want to buy? The Lev Parnas Fraudulent Stock Company. We put the smash your head into a boiler in boiler room scams. I never used two Russian mob-connected strongmen and an unqualified Trump-appointed ambassador who donated $1 million to Trump's shady inaugural fund to run a shadow foreign policy that ignored strategic American interests in favor of benefiting President Trump politically? Yes, because... Of course I used two Russian mob-connected strongmen and an unqualified Trump-appointed ambassador who donated $1 million to Trump's shady inaugural fund to run a shadow foreign policy that ignored strategic American interests in favor of benefiting President Trump politically. My lawyer was right. Was mistake to come on podcast. I leave now. Uh, uh, Lev appears to be cooperating with investigators, but I'm not worried because I'm completely insane. Anyway, since Lev is less trustworthy than I thought a Russian mob-connected strongman would be, my next guest is the most honest and transparent president in American history, Donald Trump. I'm a great judge of character. Uh, what was my stockbroker doing here? As always, barely audible whispers Trump impersonator is a woman because they're part of the deep state. My call to the president of Ukraine was a perfect call. The real corruption is the Democrats and sleepy Joe Biden, who is corrupt because... Uh, uh, what was it you told me to accuse Joe Biden of again? Joe Biden threatened to withhold congressionally approved aid money to Ukraine to extort the Ukrainian government into taking action that benefited him personally. No, that's what we did. Yes, but we only did what we did so we could make it seem like Biden did what we had to do to make it seem like Biden did what we did. Can you believe Hunter Biden made money at a job he's unqualified to do just because of his family's connection to the presidency? Ivanka should sue Hunter Biden for violating the patent on nepotism she was granted as part of my trade negotiations with China. It's an outrage! Just like the so-called whistleblower whose connection to the Democrats will be investigated by Ukraine as soon as they need more money. The whistleblower should never be allowed to come forward, and his complaint should never be made public. No, that was last month's line, Mr. President. Remember, now we're demanding that the whistleblower come forward! Oh, yeah. What happened to the whistleblower? We need to hear from the whistleblower, because if we don't hear from the whistleblower, then we can make that sound suspicious. And why did the Democrats take all of those depositions behind closed doors? What are they hiding?! They should have to conduct public hearings. They are conducting public hearings. They shouldn't be allowed to conduct public hearings. This entire impeachment is a scam! I'm the best at scams. No, I Nobody is better at scams than Trump. Like that scam we pulled in Ukraine to get fake dirt on Joe Biden. I meant impeachment is a Democrat scam. The real scam is the Democrats. Entirely too audible screaming with Rudy Giuliani speaking unfiltered in a podcast about impeachment. What could possibly go wrong? I like this podcast. Other podcasts impersonate me as a woman, and I hate that. I'm crisis correspondent Michael Amity, and I've covered... <laughs> Did you do to my bathroom? <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you for listening to Barely Audible Whisper, made possible by the following people, writer, co-host, and producer Dave Baldwin, co-host and actress Molly Brown, writer and actor Daniel Carter-Brown, and actress Corey Burns. Please follow us on social media and subscribe to us where you subscribe to your podcast. We appreciate your support. Next time we do a sketch about Republicans rubbing each other's penises. (laughs) This is our sound. Yeah.